0: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
1: You're listening to Nerd at Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Sagal. I'm Trisha Bobita. And I am Greta Johnson, and we are joined kind of long distance
2: this week by our friend Peter Sagal. Hey, Peter.
3: Hello. Hello from out here. I'm in California. Uh, somebody, uh, somebody already made this joke online, but I will repeat it. That in tribute to last week's episode.
2: Ah, damn it! I was gonna read this tweet.
3: <laughs> oh no! All right. Since instead of me stealing the joke, Greta, you read the tweet.
2: Oh, it's just so great. It said, to stay true to this week's episode, I hope the recap episode is random snippets of Trisha, Greta, and Peter barely heard through 90 minutes of white
3: noise. <laughs> yes. Are you ready, guys? Let's try it. Ready? <laughs> ah, ah, ah! Ah! Closed caption was really particularly it. funny last night. It was very night. helpful indeed. <laughs> was it? You know, I wish I, I wasn't able to turn that on in the TV I've got here in this hotel, but it must have been just lots of, like, random vowels and consonants.
2: <laughs> I'm just really glad anyway. your hotel had HBO. I was worried you were going to have to watch on your iPhone or something terrible.
3: No, that would have been bad. I, it was an inadequate TV. Well, actually, I thought it was an inadequate TV. And then by the end of the episode, I was like, I'm kind of glad this wasn't any bigger.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so we are recapping season eight, episode three of Game of Thrones. It was called The Long Night. And my God, was it intense. Whew.
3: It was, and long. And don't, long. Don't you know, sell them short. was
2: definitely
1: night. It was very much yes. night.
2: Very much night. We started last week's episode with a montage of clips. From different characters in the show talking about how the crypt was the safest place in, in Winterfell, and I feel yeah. like just right off the bat we should acknowledge the fact that the crypt was in fact the safest place in Winterfell.
1: Still not safe, but safe, but the safest.
2: You know, of it, d- the it didn't
3: occur to me because only about half of them were horribly murdered, right? Exactly. Rather than apparently everyone, uh, which happened elsewhere. Okay, so My lots God. of questions
2: to get to. I actually think we should start with a voicemail we got from sure. a person whose first initial is Jay and whose middle name seems to be Alex. That's
0: all I know. Okay. Hey, Nerdette. Just finished Season 8, Episode 3, and I have some thoughts. MVP of the week goes to House Mormont all across the board. Hey, weakest link though is Danny. Danny sucks in battle on the dragon. I mean, people are dying. They're raiding the walls. And now's the time for a magic carpet ride over the f- clouds. Hey, no. No. Don't worry though. We got Arya Stark here to save the day. Save the day. Anyway, y'all have a good one.
1: That was
2: my favorite voicemail of all time. (laughs) Yeah, it was one. That's why I figured we should just play it at the top because it
3: was so freaking great.
1: Yeah. Also, House Mormont does win the House Cup. Yeah.
3: Yeah. They do. Yes. 10, 20 points for Mormont. 20
1: points to Mormont. I feel like we should give them a couple (laughs) thousand points. (laughs) we
3: learned that killing
1: a giant in the bathroom was worth more house points than that. Oh!
2: it was a oh. troll, not a giant. I was going to say it was a troll. Uh.
1: Okay. <laughs> I corrected myself quickly <laughs> on my Harry Potter reference.
2: Should we just listen to a couple more voicemails for the sake of like understanding how other people reacted before we get into... Because people have a lot of feelings? People have a lot of feelings. I really liked also this one from Sue, which I think emulates a lot of what we will end up being discussing today. So what I really want to know is why John and Danny didn't spend... The whole time flying around on their dragons and burning the dead. I don't get that. And then the other thing that I really want to know is who's dead and who's alive. Okay. And then the third thing that I really (laughs) want to know is if they spent all this time and all this money filming this
1: episode, why did they make it so hard to see anything? So many feelings. Yes.
3: Sue. So many feelings.
1: Sue is channeling all of the Internet's ire. Uh-huh.
3: It really is true. I mean, I mean, basically, we all just have one question about this episode. WTF? I mean, really? It's, it, yeah, there was a whole sense of, like, at least on the Internet reaction I saw, confusion and dismay and ha huh and why, and the most intense emotional discussion of the technology of producing blacks on modern television that I've ever seen on the Internet. There were actually people saying, well, the reason you didn't see it was because your TV wasn't adjusted to have the darkest blacks. That's Uh, why. Fix your TV. Stop your whining, which is a weird way for Internet arguments to go.
2: I don't know. I thought it was pretty generally hard. Well, and I think part of that was intentional, right, just because of the confusion of battle and everything. Yeah. But even the editing and like, I don't know, I felt like there were a lot of Vaseline screen scenes that drove (laughs) me crazy. too. It's like, does it have to be blurry, though?
1: (laughs) Whose point of view is it that is covered in Vaseline? Yeah, like, who exactly. are we watching yes. in battle right now? Someone <laughs> that, whose glasses were knocked off. Does it
2: insulate you from the fire? The if your point face of view of this <laughs> battle scene
1: is from someone whose glasses were knocked off.
3: It seemed Ooh. pretty clear that the, uh, the filmmakers wanted to recreate the confusion of battle, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going on. And they really have introduced that terror and confusion to millions of TV viewers who had no idea what was going on in their TV show. Uh, so, yes, we now, I feel, know what it's like to be under siege.
1: But after the first couple of scenes like that, I realized that they weren't going to let anything important happen in that Vaseline-covered darkness. That when there was yeah. something that actually mattered and that wasn't just sort of chaos, that they were going to pause and put some lights on the person and there would be dialogue. Yes. But there was just a lot of
2: Well, and that's kind of my guess about when it comes to who died, is that the people who did die, we spent quite a bit of time in those scenes. There was a lot of feeling, the music swelled, all that good stuff, which makes me think that pretty
1: much everybody survived, right? Based on the trailer for episode four Mm -hmm. and based on what I could see and what I have felt confirmed by other people believing what I believe in terms of recaps, <laughs> if we want to answer Sue's exists. question <laughs> in terms of who's dead, Dolores Ed? Yes. Yes. Who I like to call Dolores Ed. Dolores even. dead. Dolores yes. dead. But who saved Sam? Yep. So that was a noble death. Then we yeah. have Beric Dundarian who mm-hmm. in a Christ-like pose- Yeah. Oh, yes. Finally- Dies after how many resurrections? Uh uh, Saving Arya and the Red Woman before she dies later in the episode explains. Well, yeah, that was his purpose. We weren't quite sure, but the Lord of Light made sure that Beric was here to save Arya at this moment. Yep, yep, right. And then there's some pretty important stuff that happens between the Red Woman and Arya, but we can maybe get to that in a minute. Uh huh. Uh, Little Mormont.
2: Little Mormont.
3: Lots
1: of house points for her sacrifice. Yeah, and was that one one? One, well one, the there was some giant?
3: there was some uh-huh. discussion of whether that was in fact one one and I guess if there aren't already there will be intense comparisons of the scars in the face of the zombie giant to the last we saw the living giant when the living giant died
1: Oh sure. it was pretty um, awesome and that actress uh, they referenced in the inside the episode at the end was meant to be a one scene character.
2: Oh, really? Right. Yeah. That's adorable. She
1: was like hired yes. to be in that one scene the first time we saw her, and they went, oh, she's good. Oh. And then they wrote her into the rest of the show up until last night. And then, of course, other deaths we have are Theon mm-hmm. and the Red Woman, and then at the very end, Jorah. So that's the yes. casualty count that I have.
3: Right. And and of course, as I'm sure you saw uh, 10 minutes after the episode at least finished airing here in the West Coast, there were lists of these things, who lived, who died. What was amazing was there was a, at least a number of times during like the latter 20 minutes where I was like, well, everybody's dead now. Right. Yeah. Because, because it was those- just insurmountable yes.
2: whites. Yes. God. Yes.
3: Especially since the, 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 the newly dead were then raised as zombies by the Night King and everybody was surrounded by like two times as many Awful zombies, as they had just been fighting. Now there are, you know, twice as many. They're all dead, right? They're all going to die. There was such a heavy emphasis on how terribly this was going for the good guys in order to set up the last-minute save that when it was revealed at the very end, after all the zombies fell to the ground and and Jamie was fine and Briem was fine and even dare we say Samwell was fine. Last mm-hmm. we saw of him, being like lying in the ground, going. Eh, eh. Um, I'm like, no, no way. They're dead.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it was... seemed as
3: if the only way you were, could survive this intense battle, if you were one of the good guys, was if you had your names uh, under the opening credits. Anybody yeah. listed, you know, <laughs> at the end. Everyone sorry, else you're was dead. a red shirt.
2: So, did you all yeah, find that a little much. disappointing? Especially given the intensity of episode two and how, like, the gravity around all of it. Like, yes, is that enough of a payoff?
3: Yeah, it was weird. Uh, 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 Maybe I spent too much time reading uh, recaps after it was all done. And so it's hard to come up with an original notion more so than usual for me. But yeah, there was a general sense of disappointment that I shared that the show saved almost all of its principal characters and the ones it dispatched. It gave good deaths to. In fact, if you watch yeah. the inside uh, the episode, does Trish just reference it? They talk about well, we wanted to give Jorah a really good death. We felt that uh, Lady Mormont had earned a really good death, and uh, Theon, of course, we gave him a redemptive death, and we saw that. But that's sort of the opposite of. Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's right. not what Game of Thrones has ever done. We talked about it. In fact, I talked about it with some happiness last week about how they had completely subverted the notion that any of these people deserved to die, were aimed for a noble or deserved death, and it turns out that that's what they were doing all along. And I'm I'm vaguely disappointed.
2: Let's listen to another voicemail. That reminds me of a voicemail we got from Megan. Man, I just
1: I love that Arya killed the Night King. But I hate that Arya killed the Night King because, because I love it. Because it felt really good that she killed the Night
3: King. But Game of Thrones is not supposed to be a show that makes you feel good. It's supposed to make you feel terrible. <laughs>
2: and so loving this outcome kind of made me hate it.
3: I, I think I know what she means. I've been trying to piece it together since, uh, since I watched the show. Like, Why was this unsatisfying? And I think it was because it was designed to be satisfying. You could, and, and, and that's not what Game of Thrones does. I mean, uh, let me ask you guys a question. D- did you figure out that it was going to be Arya who killed the Night King prior to it happening?
1: No. Yes. You did, Tricia?
3: Yeah. Yes. I didn't
1: know that it was going to happen at the end of this episode. Uh huh. I thought at that last moment that maybe what we were going to get was the Night King, like, taking Bran and the episode ending with just, like, okay, now Bran is held captive. Oh, sure. Well, and the Night King has sort of, you know, taken off with him. And do we try to save Bran or just go fight Cersei or what now? What do we do now? I was really worried it was going to end
2: with the Night King walking up to Bran and it going to black like it had with the premiere of this season when Jamie shows up at Winterfell. I thought it was just going to oh, be yeah. the same thing. And I was like, <laughs> If this is the end of this goddamn episode, I'm going to lose my mind. All right, Tricia,
3: why did you, how did you figure out that Arya was, uh, I guess, the, the princess that was promised?
1: Because the red woman said blue eyes to her in a very knowing mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. And then she said, what do we say to the god of death? And she said, mm. not today. Oh, we actually have that right. clip. Let's listen to it.
0: I know you. I know I know you. You said we'd me again. And here we are. At the end of the world. You said I'd shut many eyes forever. You were right about that, too. Brown eyes. Green eyes. And blue eyes. What do you say to the God of Death?
1: Not today.
3: What a lot of carnage in the background. So, Trisha, you saw that sequence and then you said to yourself immediately, oh, I get it. Arya is going to be the one who fixes all this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I also thought the really intentional, like, you need to make me this great weapon. There were a lot of things leading up to yeah. it, which actually, that weapon isn't what she used. Um, no, the one that Gendry built. But it, she did use the weapon that was meant to kill Bran to kill the Night King. Well, and that's the right. same move that she used with Brienne. too. Yep. Yeah. Right. And also the the calmness of that moment, like either Bran knew that he was going to like in my mind before it happened, either Bran knew that he was about to be taken but not killed. Or uh, it didn't. It didn't totally make sense that the Night King was just going to kill him at that moment in terms of the story. Because then, why were all the Whites charging Theon one by one, if the Whites were supposed to sort of save Bran for the Night King? Mm-hmm. Like the big baddie right. usually wants to put the sword in the other good guy himself, right? right? Yeah. So like the Whites wouldn't have even been attacking Theon to try to get to Bran. Interesting, because they do exactly Hmm. what he says, like lay down on the fire, which was the coolest, creepiest moment of the battle. By the way,
3: that was actually kind of great. The whites turned themselves
1: into a human bridge on the fire (laughs) was cool and creepy.
2: Well, I mean, speaking of cool and creepy, like if we just started from the very beginning, the scene. So Melisandre shows up, she lights all the or the Dothraki swords, so they ride in with flaming swords, and they're off at the distance, and you just see all of these flames extinguish. You know what that reminded me of? What? I am so excited to hear what you're about to say.
1: Do you guys remember there was this thing that was like a YouTube thing, and I want people to look it up. Just Google L E D, like LED lights, yeah. sheep. <laughs> and people put LED, LED like strings sheep? of LED lights all over sheep and then like herd them in patterns. I'll put this in the newsletter today. <laughs> yeah, this is the link that will be in the newsletter today. Is it looked like LED sheep art.
3: <laughs> that them. was a prank, Tricia. That wasn't real. Oh I just know, so but you know. it still
1: reminded me of that.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I can see that. No, I want to stick before, and I know there's lots to talk yes, about. Yes, to
1: be clear, I don't think the LED sheep are real.
3: <laughs> All right. I was worried for a I second. I want to
1: hold on to the reality of
2: sheep covered in light.
3: Because I, I figured it out, and I think this is important to figuring out like, how good this episode was. I figured it out about three minutes before it happened, maybe even a little less. Because the last 15 minutes, maybe everything that happened after the um, Night King failed to burn up, when he stepped from the flames mm-hmm. in a manner reminiscing of people of my age, of Terminator 2. Oh. Um, Can we talk for, he's just like,
2: really quickly about how great it was bra- uh, John, like, tiptoe creeping behind the Night King, trying to get him over the carnage? I yeah. thought
3: that was... Oh, yeah, that's really going to work, John. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so he comes out of the flames, and then from that moment, everything goes really, 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 really badly for the good guys, even more so than the... Uh, then everything's been going to that point. So like, oh, you know, the dead are rising again and he, the night King is fine. You can't kill him with a dragon just, and there are so many shots of the good guys being overwhelmed by the zombies and John in the middle of the field and Danny and Jorah in the middle of the field. And there's no way these people can survive. And I'm thinking to myself first, okay, wait a minute. Are they going to kill everybody? Are they going to do the thing that we joked about? Kill everybody in episode three of the season. And then the final three episodes are just dead people standing around wondering what they should do now. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, no, they're not going to do that. No, there has to be like the ultimate last minute save of all last minute saves. Right. Who is it going to be? What can it be? And then I said to myself, where's Arya? And then I said to myself, we had that conversation about, you know, the, Barak saved Arya. This, that was his purpose, says Melisandre. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, Arya's going to jump in the last minute and kill him. So I was waiting for it when it happened. And that's not to say uh, I'm that smart – as you ladies know, I'm not. What it, what it means is that the whole episode was reverse engineered to get us to that moment. Right. To show us that nothing else worked and to put them in the ultimate peril and to show you again and again and again and again and again how badly things are going so they could set up this last minute save. And that's a kind of mechanical plotting and backwards engineering of events that's just not this show. You know, you never yeah. saw, for example, if you hadn't read the books, you never saw Oberyn Martel getting his head crushed. That wasn't backwards engineered. There were no clues that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the hallmark of the show. There are no clues that Neb was going to get his head cut off. There were no clues, unless you were really, really careful, that the Red Wedding was going to happen. And uh, this, is a di- this is a more typical kind of television plotting that's dissatisfying for this show.
2: But again... Can we listen to one more voicemail and then we'll talk about it? Okay, this is Christina. I just got done watching the episode and I kind of feel like I just got hit in the head with Gendry's hammer. Okay, so here's my thing. I wasn't really expecting the whole Night King plot to just be done this episode. Do you guys feel like you're going to have trouble caring about the rest of this? Like... The preview for next week was all like three cheers for Danny getting the throne, time to go topple Cersei, but like, do we care? Anyway, that's my main takeaway. I'm gonna go try to
3: sleep, <laughs> hopefully. I've never, I've never had so many voicemails from our, from our listeners, Greta, that seem so emotionally vulnerable. I
2: know, right? Well, it's funny. I mean, even as I was coming in this morning, I, I think this is the most excited I have ever been to talk to you both about a Game of Thrones episode because, like, I could use a support group after that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it was just so intense, you, and like the heartbeat drums, and like the the hopelessness of it until the last minute. And then yes. this weird relief that like nothing. I mean, obviously it was there. It was horrible. There was carnage, but like everybody we really cared about, most of the people we really cared about anyway, are still going to be around. So then it's sort of like, why did I just go through this horrible experience? Yeah,
1: Arya Stark did what Al Gore never could and cured climate change. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, there's something you're getting at something, Greta, which is which is weird because there was so much carnage. God knows how many, I mean, you know, we all were admiring that Washington Post graphic about all the deaths of Game of Thrones.
2: Yeah.
3: You know, what is the entry for this episode going to be? How literally many thousands of people died?
2: Yeah, like tens of thousands at
3: least, right? Yeah, like the Dothraki, seemingly almost all dead. The Unsullied, Unsullied. Unsullied, seemingly almost all dead. All of the northern soldiers, I don't know how many of them are left. Mm -hmm. And yet what I think you're, at least I think what you're, what you're feeling Greta cuz it's sort of what I'm feeling.
2: Yes, explain is this to me this notion. I'm feeling, Peter.
3: <laughs> well, I, I, there's this notion and maybe it comes from the fact that this happened in episode 3 of 6, maybe it comes from looking at the previews that we're going to be told, well, that was a little tricky, but it all worked out well, and now our team of heroes are going to get in yeah. the, you know, what what did what are the uh, Snoopy-doo kids Travel around in the mystery van, the mystery yes. machine. They're going to get back in the, and they're going to take care of the baddie in the next episode. Yeah. If anybody smiles, you know, in the next episode, well, that was good. We made it through. I, I will be upset because, no, thousands of people just died. Uh-huh. You almost blew it, you fools.
2: Well, and, and, yeah, like, there's
3: this sense. I'm going. Go ahead, Greta.
2: Oh, I just wonder, like, is it just all going to be a happily ever after thing now? You know, like, are they just going to go trot down and kill Cersei and... Everybody's going to pair right. off, and they're all going to like wave to the camera in the last episode. Possibly, See?
3: you know, they'll, they'll, maybe we are going toward the the party and party on Endor with all the remaining Ewoks, you know, you know cheering. You never know. But it is true that they carefully or maybe just, you know, obviously preserved all the main characters so that we still get the Clegane Bowl and we still get the possibility of Jamie Queenslayer and all the other things we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. But it's it's that kind of fan servicing, despite all the carnage that maybe you're reacting to. Yeah, that's sort I of how so. I'm feeling.
2: Do you think we should stop calling it Stark Party Central at this point?
3: Winterfell? Well, yeah, pretty much done. Yeah. It was condemned by the authorities.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I have to say, I am pretty glad that the last three episodes are going to have human stakes in them and be the best of what the show is, which is actually, to me... A drama about family politics. People talking to each other. There was so little conversation in this episode. But I mean, again, you all know that I was like, if the Night King doesn't have a point. Which he totally didn't. Which he totally didn't, except for being scary, (laughs) but also able to be felled by one person who stuck him with the pointy end. Yep.
3: Yes. (laughs) So if. So, oh yeah, we're at the end of the Night King's journey and Trisha, you're registering (laughs) dissatisfaction. Is that true?
1: Uh, Yeah, because either he needed to have a point or he needed to be done. Because this show is about people being clever and negotiating their way through a really brutal world that is mostly about carnage, but the people who we're supposed to be rooting for and who win are not the ones who are the best fighters. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who are clever enough to stop the fighting, and Mm -hmm. you can't negotiate with death, so death can't be the enemy. Mm -hmm. Cersei has to be the enemy, and I'm excited for the next three episodes to get back to that, to get back to what the show is actually, I think, at its best at, which is Benioff and Weiss making good talky television, not them sort of begrudgingly, maybe, actually having to like deal with the high fantasy elements that they sort of don't know what to do with. They don't really seem to want to play in the high fantasy world that they've been given. They want to just make a talky drama. And so now they're going to get to go back to doing that because, yes, there were CGI dragons, but we're never seeming to get any interest in from the showrunners in giving us, like, a window into what Bran can do, besides, I guess, work into a raven to do recon for that whole battle. Like, that didn't seem very useful.
3: Yeah, and they made a point of it, too. You know, Arya
1: can change faces. We've only seen it once. Like, there's so much magic in this world that they're not playing with. They're just showing us the humanity of it. So then let's show us the interesting parts of humanity, which is not people fighting. It's people talking.
2: Well, I think this actually reminds me a lot of an email we got from uh, a woman named Rachel, and the subject line was great. It was what the walkers want, what they really, really want. And, (laughs) and I think what makes it so frustrating, I think, is that the stakes were set to be so high on this battle that then I wonder if, you know, like, but that's not what actually matters. And so to me, it seems like we could have spent a lot less time on this part. And, you know, like, why did we even need it at all?
1: Well, it was the only thing that taught some of them to see their common humanity and band together as opposed to fight each other. But now we'll see if that lesson remains one that was learned because now we're going to see Danny and John sort of at odds, potentially, and their followers at odds, and if they don't stay together, Cersei can definitely on the battlefield beat them. Yeah, well, and that's what this person Rachel essentially says. She says what
2: happens in the world of men after we beat back the big bad and still have to wake up the next morning and figure out how to live? After we all put aside our differences and our pettiness to defeat Sauron or the Night King, if Aragorn isn't there to claim the crown or Danny is no longer the queen we chose, who gets to rule and how do you make sure that ruler is just what if that ruler isn't just so we have three episodes to do that i guess
3: yeah we'll figure all that out speaking of lord of the rings i wanted to, i was wondering about something i want to give get your opinion obviously so there was a lot of comparison you know in the pre show materials and the publicity about how this was inspired by the battles of helm D- deep it, we talked about it last week how uh, how it was going to be modeled after that Well, I remember the Battle of Helm's Deep quite well from the movie The Two Towers. And that was an exciting, invigorating, cool, tense battle that we all loved watching. This was like that, but but drained of all pleasure. Mm. And I've been trying to figure out why that's true. And it may be because, first of all, there was a lot more death in this battle than the Battle of Helm's Deep. So many more shots I mean, you know, we never endured in the Battle of Helm's Deep all the orcs breaking into Helm's Deep and just slaughtering almost everyone for, like, ten minutes.
1: Yeah. But it's also,
3: it's also because there were, there were so few moments of, like, even momentary victory for the good guys to sort of leaven the darkness. Uh, like, for example, you know, the famous scene from uh, Helm's Deep where, you know, Gimli says, throw me you know yeah. <laughs> uh, don't tell anybody and, yeah. and or, or the fun byplay between uh the, you know legolas and gimli or anything like that there was it was just so unrelent unrelentingly dark and yeah. everything the good guys tried every moment where you like oh that's a fun and they they, they they you know oh yes uh let's take the first one. Oh, oh isn't that so cool and melisandre set all the arachs the dothraki swords on fire what a great moment Oh no! And then you see them all <laughs> twinkling out. Oh, what a great moment when Melisandre uses her magic. Like the you know that's the, the great Zippo of the Red God functions <laughs> and sets the trench on fire. Oh no, the dead guys who were dead they and don't, don't care give a anyway. Fuck just about that. Yeah, they just lie on top of it. And and I understand what they were doing. They were trying to show how all of the plans, all of the efforts, all of the heroism of the good guys came to naught. So that when the final moment came, all was totally lost, mm-hmm. except for Arya's last-minute heroism. Yeah, Ooh, Michael Jordan
1: from the foul line. Exactly. <laughs> Where did she come
2: from? It's such a great question.
3: And again, I understand what they were trying to do. They wanted to make you feel like all was completely lost, that everything, all of the plans, all of the hopes, all of the dreams for the battle or the characters had come to nothing. They were all surrounded by the dead and they were all going to die. And then Arya saves the day. But man, that was really tough to Mm -hmm, endure mm -hmm. just for all those scenes of misery and loss. And it was depressing. Yeah,
2: it's interesting hearing you mention Helm's Deep because the other thing that I was thinking about a lot was Avengers Endgame, which, you know, don't worry. I won't spoil it if you haven't seen it. But that's a similar, you know, you watch that in the theater and there, are people are, like, erupting in cheers at certain moments of this epic battle. And it was interesting sitting there watching people get so excited about it and thinking, like, I remember thinking to myself, this shouldn't be this exciting. Like, it shouldn't actually yeah. be this fun and feel this great to watch people get ready to kill each other. And I guess I got what I asked for then in watching that episode last yeah. night.
1: I watched Avengers Endgame Immediately preceding watching this last night, like basically as a block of
2: time. I was wondering what you were up to that you started so late.
3: And how's your emotional mood the next day, Trisha? It
1: was a lot of pop culture. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of feelings. I want to just talk about the comparisons of how I feel about both of them, but I don't want to spoil Endgame for people who haven't seen it. But I have a lot of feelings about the way these two sets of storytellers chose to not end, but like conclude a big storyline for two things that have been very important to me for roughly the same amount of time. I mean, basically a decade in the Robert Downey Jr. MCU and then about a decade in Game of Thrones land. So, There was a lot to compare there, but we That's mustn't funny. spoil the
2: other movie. It was pretty hilarious. Uh, Justin <laughs> and I sit across the way in the newsroom from Alex Claiborne, who works on Sound Opinions. And what day was it? Was it like Wednesday last week? She said, "Listen, you guys. My boyfriend fucked up. He got tickets to Avengers Endgame the same time of Game of Thrones. I'm not going to be able to watch both on Sunday night. So I need you to not spoil Game of Thrones for me on Monday morning when you produce this podcast." And we were both like, "Sweetie, like I think you're going to need to wear headphones. Like yeah. I don't know what to tell you. We're going to talk about it,
1: or just be as oblivious as the White Walker lieutenants were, as Arya somehow <laughs> walked past all of them yes. to kill the Night King. That
2: would be a spoiler for Alex who." Has Hasn't yet seen the episode. You,
3: you, uh, you, I wish they had cut to, you know, th- there's that single moment of Arya leaping through the air and the Night King turns around and catches her before he, she does that trick. I wish they could have shot, you know, just the, the White Walker lieutenants and all going, uh-oh, I, th- <laughs> I, thought you were, I thought you were watching. Did you? Uh-oh, he's gonna be mad.
2: <laughs> all right, let's talk about it more in just a moment.
0: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events.
2: Okay, before we get back to the episode, can we talk a little bit about this awesome-ass tote bag that exists in the world, you two?
1: Yeah. Oh, do please. Do you have a visual aid? I do have a visual aid, yes. Podcasts which is are great best with visual podcasts. aids. Yeah,
2: okay, so you can actually see a picture of this tote bag on our Instagram if you search Nerd Up Podcast, and you, there's a link to buy it there. We're doing a fundraiser because we are made by a public radio station, which which means the majority of our funding comes from people who listen to podcasts like this one, and that's why we're asking you to help support the stuff we make And you can get this awesome-ass tote bag. Trisha, you want to say what it says?
1: It says, Cersei and Daenerys and Arya and Sansa and Greta and Trisha and Peter, parentheses. (laughs) Cue the patriarchy James. The rhetorical
0: equivalent of Stray Cat Vomit. Peter Sagal's thoughts on art.
2: It's a super sweet bag. You can fit at least 11 books in it by my count. So if you want it, you can get it on the intro. How big
3: were the books, Greta?
2: A lot of them were hardcover. So I feel like you could probably get... It's a good tote. At least 15 in there if you really wanted to.
3: Yes. You're not allowed to carry anything but books, by the way.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Get it on the Instagram. Did you guys eat any snacks while watching this episode? I was curious about that.
1: Well, I had just eaten a lot of you popcorn at the movie theater. Oh.
2: Well, um, because someone talked about how she dropped her Oreos with the Aria scene. <laughs> and I had made cookies and was drinking this like stress relief tea and so then (laughs) it got me thinking about like what other people might have been consuming and i actually asked on twitter and we got a couple really good answers i think the best one might have been valium and popcorn (laughs) (laughs) there was a lot of wine consumed there was also pudding pizza pasta quesadillas Oreos, People as were carbo loading for that battle. Cookies, brownies, and then squash tacos. So, what? anyway, I just thought that was kind of a fun one.
3: I'm sorry, there. squashed tacos squash or tacos. Squash, taco. squash, squash tacos? Squash tacos. Yeah. Squash tacos. I
2: do also, think my cousin Sonia had two glasses of wine and then fell
1: asleep halfway through, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> I'm sure she's glad that we all know that. Yeah. Yeah. She put it on Twitter. I feel like. Okay, that's fine. That is fine. <laughs> I do have to say, I think that. Part of the reason the voicemails we get on Sunday nights are so uh-huh. emotionally vulnerable and effusive <laughs> it may have something to do with a little
3: wine in the belly. The, the wi- yeah, yeah. Some yeah. Of the
2: People listeners. said they had like several boxes of wine. Several boxes, <laughs> not glasses. Which is a lot of wine. Yeah.
3: Depends on the size of the
1: box. Tyrion's back to his old drinking habits. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was doing it. He was like, so... if I have to sit here and die, I'm going to drink wine.
3: Were you guys getting a little tired of Tyrion? Because obviously, among other things they're saving is they're saving Tyrion's redemptive moment where Tyrion is finally smart, Mm. you know, that whole, I thought of the whole conversation, we need you saved because if we win this battle, we'll need your brain. So obviously Tyrion is going to do something smart later on, not last night, but still it was like, Tyrion, really? I mean, I know that famously you drink and know things, but you know what else you call people who drink and know things? Assholes. Pretty boring, (laughs) yeah. Like the kind of guy at the bar where all of a sudden you find yourself saying, hey, you know, oh... Look at the time.
2: You know, that's funny. I think Tyrion might have been, like, the least annoying to me, actually. Really? Why? Well, I mean, I was very annoyed by Melisandre. What? She was the best! But, like, the whole, like, showing up and, like, I'm gonna die tomorrow. And then she didn't even do any, like, she just walked out and died? It was just, like, I thought that was super lame. What? Somebody messaged me this morning and said... Melisandre for the MB- MVP, and I was like, "No, man, that was boring." She as saved
1: fuck. them so many times. Yes, she, she did. It,
2: though none of it worked. She like lit the swords on fire. All of the fire went out. The you know we talked about it. Like none of that actually did had had nothing to do with any of it. I mean, they were like, "Oh shit, what do we do with Melisandre? Let's have her show up and fuck some stuff up and then die." <laughs> it's
1: just no, like... she is the one who told Arya that she killed the Night King, which means that then Arya knows she can kill the Night King. It was very much like, oh, Harry Potter sees the Patronus, thinks it's his dad, realizes it's him, then has the courage to do the thing. Like, she is the most (sighs) important part of the whole episode. Yes,
3: exactly like that. Yes. I was going to say, we're going to make the whole Patronus thing. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, (laughs) Yes, that's exactly right. All My the other Patronus things that analogy she
1: did. is on point. Uh,
2: I,
3: I'm going to trust you. I'm
2: angry at your Patronus analogy because it's pretty good. Ah, I got Greta. She agreed. The whole swords she on fire quiet. thing,
3: the whole lighting the trench, all of that was cover for what Melisandre really did. Was... She
1: was the lighting designer for the episode.
3: <laughs> oh, God. In that <laughs> case, a she did poorly suck. poorly
2: lit episode. Yeah, God. Fire
3: her. I don't know. She showed up and she provided the plot. Like, you, Arya, are the chosen one. These people... A Beric Dondarrion explicitly, and the Hound implicitly. The the whole reason that the Lord of Light, whom she works for, has been manipulating actions is to get you know Arya with the knife in the weirwood. You know that's that's everything was pointed at. I like
1: that you just made it sound like a game of Clue. Arya with the knife in the weirwood. (laughs)
3: Not unintentional, Tricia. That's what I meant <laughs> everything was oh. everything was pointed toward that, which brings up a whole other thing, which is like if a god had been manipulating all of these events to get her there then, then how does that make you feel? I mean does that mean this whole ending have been has been predestined? Does it mean that this everything we've been watching has been A a plot, a successful one by an offstage character about whom we know nothing. And this was always going to work out along. Does this take away any thrill at Arya's bravery if we know she was destined by supernatural forces to be there? I don't know.
2: Okay, but y'all just like breezed over. I wanted to complain about Melisandre just like one more second more. <laughs> okay. But then, go ahead, the please. question about the Lord of Light, we should return <laughs> to it. And then, yes, we absolutely should. The thing about it is, I mean, especially thinking of Harry Potter and like even about Snape, right? Like, there are really interesting characters who sacrifice themselves for a greater good right at the end that makes right. that arc real. I mean, even Theon, right? Like, we see it throughout this show and all over the place. We've talked about it here before. And I kept expecting something from Melisandre along those lines, especially the way she kept saying that she was going to die at Winterfell.
3: That's not unreasonable.
2: My impression was that she would do something and in the, in that act that would kill her. But the fact that she didn't actually like, she just walked out there and died. You know what I mean? Like the fact that like if she had been in the middle of something and died from a white or something like that would have at least been slightly more interesting to me than like she had this seemingly arbitrary death where she's like oh i guess i gotta go take off my necklace and walk out in the snow now peace out y'all it was just sort of like that yeah it?
1: or if she had given her everlasting life ruby necklace to aria totally, or something yeah just because like it was like
2: a passing of the torch more or something. interesting than like i'm gonna die here oh now it's my time to die here i guess i'm gonna die now
3: I just was sort of like, really? You can make the yeah. same critique, really, of like Theon's death. What was yeah. the point of Theon's death? Yeah, other that than was that, a it was weird. noble. He didn't gain anything. He didn't like. He didn't. Ex- you know, basically, in the end, Theon and his Ironborn's defense, you know, extended the period of time in which we were all assuming everybody was going to die. Yeah. And you could argue it gave. And you could argue it gave Arya time to get there. But it was otherwise pointless.
1: Theon. You're a good man.
3: Thank you. There were so many pointless deaths... There was no moment where somebody did something and sacrificed themselves and actually advanced in an explicit way the the fortunes of the good guys.
2: That's funny. So there were, there were so many pointless deaths, but nobody important died at the same – like, you know what I mean? There, it, it just yeah. – did None of it mattered.
3: <laughs> like, like look, at, look at poor little Lady Mormont, right? So she gets her good death. And the, the showrunners talked about that. Oh, she was such a great character. We love the actor. We wanted to give her a good death. She stabbed the giant in the eye before she herself died. What good did that do? Now there's a dead giant, you know? I mean, the carnage continued. She didn't save anybody. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm sort of being inarticulate, but there was just this, there was so, and I know this is a weird thing to complain about this show and this episode of the show. There was no joy at all in this. Nothing to leaven the incredible darkness, which was part of the showrunner's attempt to manipulate our emotions into thinking everything was finally lost.
1: And when we talked last week about how episode two was sort of all joy and nostalgia, and then we figured, oh, that means that this week is going to be all grim and battle, I think in a lot of other kinds of films or stories, you might have more intercutting between those two ideas because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you right. might have the quiet moment where two people are hold up and, you know, safe for a second and they have their sort of goodbye moment and then they rush back out into the battle. Well, and and we instead, did... we had all of that
2: last week and none of that this week. We had the tiniest smidge of it with Tyrion and Sansa. I feel like that yeah. was the closest we got to that. And it was kind of the... a lovely moment with the two of them,
3: I thought. It was, which raised a couple of questions. First of all, are they happy? Added uh f- for some shipping are they going to end up together because that's like the nicest thing that sansa has ever said to a man right <laughs> it is.
2: what did she say you're the best one the best of them. you're the least worst yeah
3: you, yeah pretty much when you consider her other suitors were joffrey and ramsey as as he says yeah that's nice but our, and there was this general and she doesn't say it would never she says it would never work out between us which is a universal popular entertainment code for it's going to work out between us
2: or at least the sex is going to be great
3: <laughs> you hope and then she says the reason it won't work out is not because i hate you and your family destroyed mine and you repulse me in every way but Well, you know, Danny's going to get in the way, which indicates to me, Danny's not going to get in the way. And you might end up with those two together, which is nice. They're both lovely people we have come over the years to really admire and like. But it seemed an odd moment for that. Didn't they have that conversation while they were hiding behind the tomb and the whites were murdering everybody else in the tomb with them, mostly uh, women, children and old men?
2: No, they were just waiting. The whites hadn't come out yet. But there is a oh, moment they had- when they're hiding behind the tomb and they just look at each other really intensely and he kisses her hands and then runs out. And you think, oh, maybe yes. that's the end of Tyrion. And then he's still there. So everybody's fine.
3: Did you think for a moment that what they were thinking about when they looked at each other knowingly was that they were going to kill it, kill themselves to prevent them from being murdered by whites?
2: Whoa, no. But Justin is nodding his head. He he thought that. He yeah, uh, on your
3: side. I, I, I thought that. You know, she's holding the knife and they look at the knife, and they look at each other, and they nod, and maybe in retrospect, what they were saying was, well, we're going to go try to fight these things. But I genuinely thought... Yeah, I mean,
1: they're probably the only two people in the crypts who have dragonglass or valerian steel weapons on them, so they're the only ones who can help in the crypts, and yet they are hiding yeah. and letting all the women and children be slaughtered. So not a great look, guys.
3: <laughs> yeah, I got that vibe that is like, you know, uh, Ramirez and the grenade and the lieutenant and the alien, aliens, you know, they were going to blow up together. But who knows? It didn't happen. I, uh, how many people survived the crypt? I thought that was a pretty brutal sequence down there.
2: Yeah, it certainly seemed to be. I feel like we have spent a lot of time talking about our feelings and not things that actually happen. What are the other yes, like, main points from this episode that we should we talk about? Uh, how dragons suck in inclement weather?
3: Again, going to the. Uh, behind the scenes, inside the episode uh, featurette. I've never relied on one of these as much to just figure out what (laughs) I had just seen. Yeah. But apparently one of the things that they really cared about was, again, completely showing how all the plans of the good guys came to naught. And one of the things that they needed to do was neutralize the dragons, right? Because they have two dragons, the Night King has one that's still an advantage good guy. So why didn't the dragon plan work? Uh, one of the things Benioff and Weiss talked about was how uh, very much like um, John running to rescue his, uh, his brother at the Battle of the Bastards and, throwing, and ruining all the plans, uh, Danny jumped on her dragon to go try to save the Unsullied and Dothraki, screwing up their plan. I don't understand what the plan was to begin with. Nor do I understand why her going and, and flaming her dragons at the whites ruined it, but apparently that was the plan that they had this plan with the dragons, but everything went wrong, and the other thing that went wrong was the night king brought in this snowstorm which ruined their visibility, yeah took away their air superiority and and we were being asked to understand stuff that i just couldn't piece together in the course of this very dark and confusing episode but the ultimate point of it was supposed to be that the dragons were neutralized
2: do you think there's also some kind of thematic representation of the fact that john and danny seemed to be communicating with each other so terribly too like they were just not coordinating they were literally bumping all. into each right. other right yeah like i th- yeah. it seemed to me like there that is some kind of indication of of where they stand with each other also in that it's just like super confusing and weird and kind of horrible.
3: There, there was a sequence that I guess was like, do you call when dragons fight in the air a dogfight or a dragon fight? I don't know. But there was a sequence where that was happening and there were like physical relationships between the three dragons. And I couldn't understand it to save the life of me. And I was thinking I should go back and watch that to piece it together and see what happens so I can sound smart about it tomorrow morning. And then I realized no, I don't, don't care. No, just flailing and biting and
1: flailing and flailing and, <laughs> flailing and biting.
3: I just don't care. I, 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 <laughs> I thought one of the good dragons was killed. And it kind of crashed to the ground. uh, Shot, or or, or, and and then it looked bad for the other dragon with all the whites on it stabbing it. Yeah, that. But apparently, people tell me the dragons are fine for next episode.
1: In the trailer for next week's episode, there's a shot of two dragons in the sky. So as long as that's not accidental old footage, (laughs) yes, (laughs) (laughs) which would be a pretty big failure. That's super sloppy. But also, yeah, I mean, uh, John's dragon sort of like. Drops him and then is like, peace out. And then John's just on foot for the last yeah. third of the episode, yep. just being John and yep. just running into danger with no uh... plan. <laughs> His plan was to scold the ice dragon there at the end? Was to there was a, was yeah. to do there what? Was
3: another, there was another manipulation, and I use that word uh, disparagingly, <laughs> uh, of us. Because again, inside the episode, they say, "Well, we we know that everybody assumed that the hero in the end, the person to, to end this war to kill the Night King, was either going to be John, who's usually that hero, or Danny, who's been set up to be that hero." And we wanted you to think it was going to be, but we were going to disappoint you. So yeah, they you know everybody expected that John would leap in at the last second with his Valyrian steel sword and uh, do away with the Night King and save the day. So instead, they trapped him in the courtyard with the ice dragon uh, and didn't let him out. So the, the feeling that they were trying to create in us was like, well, wait a minute. John's going to save the day, but he's not saving the day. Right. Uh, and, and it was just, again, it was manipulation of us. And I didn't like it.
2: Well, and then as one person on Twitter put it, Arya got a DNA test and is 100% that bitch,
3: which is fucking yes. awesome. Oh, by the way, was there a moment? Did I hallucinate this? Where uh, John was on the ground somewhere, and Danny came to save him with the dragon, and dragon fired everybody around John, and John just sort of escaped unscathed. Yes, a classic Targaryen fireproof moment that nobody commented upon at the moment.
2: <laughs> it's like, oh, whatever, it's all good, it's fine. Yeah. Okay, so I had complained about Melisandre, and then we ended up off track about the Lord of Light.
1: I think that's a good way to think about what's moving forward uh because the lord of light clearly had a plan that was, you know, uh brought yes. to fruition by having Arya kill the night king, but now what? Is the lord of light sort of out of the game? Uh yes. is it really just sort of Danny versus Cersei? Is it just dragons versus Harry Strickland? Is that what we're dealing with now? We have a voicemail that asks the same question. Let's listen to it.
0: Hi Greta. Trisha and even Peter. This is Christian in Chicago. Here's my thought. I always thought Arya was going to be the one to kill Cersei. And if she is the one that killed the Night King now, is she done? She still has Cersei on the list, but I don't know if she can actually be the one to do it now. She's just the killing machine? I don't know. Love the show. Uh, hope you enjoyed everything. Bye.
3: It is strange, Greta, how all of our callers signed either drunk or stoned. But I Isn't guess that's lovely? a tribute to the episode. I'm into it. Uh, I think the answer to Trish's question is uh, the whole issue of the Lord of Light and the war between light and darkness is done. And that's what the meaning of Melisandre's death was. We were wondering, she just takes off her necklace? Yeah, she takes off her necklace because that entire huge part of this epic story is now over. The Lord of Light, whoever here, he, I guess, is out there worrying about it. His business is finished. He wanted—his trouble was with the Night King. That problem has solved. Melisandre took off the necklace, indicating my role on this earth is complete— She's gone. So everything that happens from here on out the last three episodes is going to be up, I presume, entirely to human agency.
1: May I make a prediction? Please. So everything else the Red Woman told us, well, not everything, because she thought Stannis was the guy. Right. She's, <laughs> Except that part. She's been wrong for a while. But she did <laughs> say to Varys, we both have to die in this strange country. Yes. Right. And so Varys' death, even though he's not maybe the most important character, we know that Danny has promised to kill him if he betrays her. And we know that it's possible, because he's Varys, that he has been sort of spying for Cersei the whole damn time. Oh, fuck. And so there could be a moment at the very end Uh. where either Tyrion or Varys are outed as sort of the double agents, and I think I mean again we've got three episodes movie length yep. left. Yeah. Yep. So we gotta get, get game game on Greta. We're gonna have to care about these people because that's all we got left. No, I'm super stoked to care about it. I
2: <laughs> no, I do care about these people. I think that's why I would be so annoyed if Varys were just a little bastard the whole time. The whole uh, time. The whole time. I think just Mrs. Doubtfire. The her. biggest <laughs> question I have is about what Braun is gonna do.
3: Yes, that is a huge thing hanging out there. When Bronn shows up, we don't know what he is going to have decided to do. To take out the the Lannister brothers or betray Cersei or we don't know. But that's definitely set up as an important point to get to in the next couple of episodes.
2: All right. Well, with that, should we call it? Do you guys feel better Uh, after having this intense conversation? I
3: I think we need to meet every day and just like work out (laughs) our feelings like Game of Thrones Anonymous. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I mean, in the end, I'm like everything had to be done the way it was done. I, I let me put it this way: I understand why they did everything we saw, and the fact that I can understand why they did everything we saw makes me disappointed and sad.
1: In conclusion, I would say I actually liked it a lot. I feel like I'm not sure what's going to happen exactly in the next three episodes, which makes me happy. Yeah, I'm and I'm glad that, that we're back to humans having to learn to live with each other because that's more interesting than just fighting. I hope so. Sure. was sure. death.
3: We shall see.
2: All right. Well, we will be back here next Monday to tell you about it. Uh, we have a newsletter, as Tricia mentioned, about the LED sheep. We're going to put links into that. We'll have a bunch of other great links, too. You can sign up for it on our Facebook page. Just search for Nerdat Podcast. We're also Nerdat Podcast on Twitter. Peter is Peter Segel. You can use the hashtag Nerd At Recaps. The show is produced by us with help from Justin Bull. Our executive producer is Brendan Banaszak. And also special thanks to Tyler Adams, who is in California with you, recording your side of this conversation right now.
3: Yes. Thank you, Tyler.
2: Our theme music was composed by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music.
1: Whew. Aria. Woo for the win. Arya. S. Yay. Yes.
2: I'm happy
3: for her. Now maybe she can uh, afford to get her eyebrows waxed.
1: Also, she lost her virginity and became the conqueror of death in one night. Bam.